Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez Buddy and Killing Bird. Hey everybody, welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Killing Bird here with you, and as always, my co-host, Ron Fezbuddy. What's up, sir? I'm, I'm good, bro. What are you up to? Not much, just uh, uh, trying to wake up after being <laughs> up very late watching poker last night. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, w- I was up, I thought I was going to, you know, I, I, I am due, I guess, at 8.30 or so, and I was like, how many people are left? And you were like, four. Right? No, actually, 10 o'clock, right? There were like four, four left. I was like, oh, great. I can watch Homeland. I can, because I was watching it on DVR. I can watch Homeland. I can take a break here, come back to it, and probably we'll get down to three pretty quickly. But that four-handed lasted quite a, quite a while, huh? Yeah, it was long. Uh, I don't even, I, I honestly don't even know. I ended up watching it in bed, so I'm not even sure exactly what time I went to sleep, but it was late slash early. Yeah, I I mean, know what, are, what are these guys thinking taking so much time? I mean, what's, exactly. what's on the line, really? Don't, don't they know I have a life? <laughs> All right, for those of you who are, are just tuning in, we're, this is our, our World Series of Poker main event final table review show. Um, we're going to be doing this today, and we'll be doing a show after the three-handed um, conclusion of the final table, uh, where we're going to bring in the pros in just a couple of minutes to uh, go over some of the hands and the dynamics of the table and what we saw and what we learned. I thought it was, I thought this was, without a doubt, the best poker TV that I've ever seen. I enjoyed this more. I mean, and not for any, you know, there was. From a content perspective, I mean, it was. I really like the, the the format that they're doing now. But just having ten hours of main event final table poker and getting to watch the dynamics develop, um, watch you know how Hines got his chips, and then as he started to get more and more chips, apply more and more pressure, and the way he adjusted, and the way he you know he really controlled the dynamics of the table, um, everyone's interaction with each other, the the just all the whole cards. I, this was fantastic to watch. Do you agree? Yeah, I thought it was great. I think strictly from a content slash entertainment perspective, um, at least for somebody who you know understands poker maybe better than the casual guy, I I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I actually had more fun watching the stuff throughout the summer, you know, days one through eight or whatever it was. Um, but I think that was because I was in a house full of guys all watching it together, and it yeah. just made it like more of sort of it was like a Super Bowl party of poker. Right. <laughs> Whereas this one, I was sitting there watching by myself. But um, yeah, from Strictly from the content stuff, I thought it was excellent broadcast. I did miss Olivier Bousquet. I, I thought Liv B would be there for this as well, and I kind of—I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. Esfariandi is awesome. Like, I think yeah. he's a great commentator. Um, I think Phil, you know, leaves some to be desired. Although I don't think I hate him as much as everyone else. I, he's not great, but he's not awful. I think he's still entertaining. Um, but Liv B is the best. I'm surprised they didn't bring him back. Do you think he was too technical for? for the general audience. I mean, I thought he was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He was definitely my favorite, um, announcer throughout the summer. And so I was a little bit surprised not to see him. And and the only thing I could think is that they, you know, ESPN or somebody in charge basically said, that's just too over the heads of the the casual viewer. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I mean, anyway, broadcast, I think is an A plus, um, 
I, there's some controversy over the 15-minute delay. I think uh, we're going to bring Casey, Big Dog, Pocket Fives, Jarzebek on, and Sean Cougars, 44 Hendrickson on in just a bit to go through some of the hands and, and what we saw at the table. I know Casey hates the 15-minute delay, a little preview to what I think he's going to want to talk about. But uh, what did you think of the delay? Um, I think it's I, I think it's fine, um, but I don't see any reason why can't be longer if that if people are concerned about that aspect of it. Yeah, I think I, I think we can save that to later because I know Casey's pretty passionate about it. But I, I, I yeah, I think I think they, there's still a little bit of work to do to tweak it. But I think overall, going to this live or more live format is a uh, is is definitely gonna be a positive for the event itself in terms of you know viewership and um and and sort of just general mainstream acceptance of it. This is just yeah. just the best. Best Poker TV. Uh, for me, I just enjoyed it. I mean, I kind of enjoy – it could be average poker, but the, if you give me a lot of it, <laughs> I kind of right. liked it more. So really good poker TV and a lot of that really was awesome. <laughs> it definitely made the Sunday grind really enjoyable. Like I, you know, I just basically had it on next to my monitors while I was playing huh. poker tournaments, and it was great. You know, I actually I, – I stopped registering. I played three tournaments on, on Merge yesterday, and I stopped registering because I couldn't concentrate on the, on the, turn, on the, on the broadcast, and I really wanted yeah. the broadcast, so I stopped. Yeah, it didn't. I I kind of went the opposite direction. I thought I was gonna want to play a bunch of tables, but I just felt like I'm not really paying attention to this. So let me just stop registering. Yeah, and I'm sure I probably missed some things in the broadcast as a result. You know, like some interesting dynamics or hands, right? Or whatever when I was tied up in things, but I it ended up sort of being I don't want to say background noise, but right. Um, but it was definitely the secondary thing that I was looking at. But it it made for good entertainment right. while I was folding and folding. And I'm not later <laughs> than most. So. Well, congratulations for winning. Do you want to tell everyone? You, you yeah, yeah. Down. Yeah, finally. Like, I I mean, I, you know, I've made some final tables on lock before, but um, I don't think I've ever made one on a Sunday yeah. <laughs> for some reason. And it's really, really frustrating because it, it is the one day that I almost always play. Um, but finally, yeah, I took down the uh, the five rebuy on there, which uh, – you know, I had almost 600 runners, so you know, five rebuy is not a huge tournament, but it ended up being a nice payday. So ship it to KB. Yeah, finally. So that felt good. All right, well, uh, let's. Uh, I know these guys. We have a lot to talk to them about, a lot of hands and a lot of a lot of stuff uh, around the, the final table broadcast. So we should probably bring them in, right? Yep. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll bring those guys in, and we'll be right back uh, with the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Tears. This is Casey Big Dog Pocket Fives Jarzevic from TournamentPokerEdge.com. If you've been looking for a trading site dedicated exclusively to tournament poker, then look no further. Tournament Poker Edge is only $23.95 per month with no initial sign-up fee and we post a new training video every weekday. you also find poker-related articles, blogs, and very active strategy forums. We even offer you the ability to upload your own video for others to discuss. So head on over to TournamentPokerEdge.com and find out why it's quickly becoming the destination for tournament poker players looking to take their game to the next level. TournamentPokerEdge.com Welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Time to bring in Cougars 4444 and Big Dog Pocket Fives. What's up, gentlemen? Hello. <laughs> there it is. There's this intro. That's if only real. I could make that my ringtone. <laughs> it's not the same being able to see your smiling face while we do this. Aw. All right, so with that, why don't we uh, 
have a little talk about WSOP stuff. Obviously, the okay, Derek. final table played down to three last night. I thought it was a, a really good final table, but there's been a lot of talk both ways. So I guess we'll just kind of open it up to discussion. What do you guys yeah. think? I like being able to see every hand. Yeah. Bye. I think that the hand dynamic of every 15 minutes uh, you get to find out what your opponent had is the worst thing poker has ever done. I think it sucks. Like, the whole thing about poker, and even if you play online, everybody says one player, one account, blah, blah, blah. That's not what's going on here. You're being able to go back to your rail and talk to people with really legit, serious, level 5 poker minds and analyze hands and immediately counter those moves that your opponent's making against you. It's totally, it's not even poker anymore. It's just a different dynamic. I know, but is it really the place to introduce a dynamic like that? But couldn't you do that tournament in the world? Couldn't you do that on the break between the November nine, like between day eight and the final table? Couldn't you do the same exact thing? Yeah, yeah, you could, but except for the only difference is there was no when you were watching that there was no final table dynamic. What if it brings are so huge? What if people are flipping through and they're tired of watching football, came upon that and found it a hundred times more interesting? than before when they watched poker and they right. couldn't see the hands. And right. therefore, I don't have an issue and with that. Then 10,000 people start playing the game and put more money in your pocket. No, That's if the, you're oh. in the arena, you, they have to segregate the media and just keep it so that you cannot have media devices and are, are, are aware of the feeds or something. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess I, I actually, I, I guess I agree, I agree with Casey on that. I agree with both of you on both of your points. I think we're both... Completely Look, valid. I mean, you're playing for $8 million. You have a fish or somebody, not even a fish. You have a great player on your right, but you finally pick something up, and you're able to exploit it a little bit. You can only exploit it for 15 minutes. Right. right. Well, what What about, you know, when they go to dinner and stuff like that? I mean, you can't keep the whole them out of you sequester the players and the crowd from going to dinner? Can't Maybe you bring dinner in. I don't know. I don't know the answer. But well, I people said the same thing when they invented the whole cards for the live TV broadcast. So it's just going to be another thing where the, the better players are going to adapt, and nobody's forced to play the tournament. You know that that's going to happen beforehand, yeah, I mean, and they just don't play. The, di- the, the dynamics of what's happening right then and there are even more um, more effect, more of an effect than knowing how someone plays over the past four years. Like, well, you know what? Put in a, put in on an hour lag. Right. And just yeah, make could, poker uh, no news and card player agree to to our lag everything, or whatever it takes. Because at least if you're like, oh, you know that hand an hour and a half ago where this guy did this. At least there's some like other hands have taken place and maybe you know the dynamics change. Yeah, I don't. So your reasoning is 15 minutes is too soon. Yeah, I don't know why they moved it from yeah. 30 to 15 over the course of the summer. Like in the summer it was 30 minutes, right? Like literally. Yeah, yeah I think so. Playing. 15 minutes, that might be five hands. So, like, that time where Hines opened twice and uh, Ben Lamb three-bet him twice, real, real light, immediately that guy knew that. Right. Well, and then Ben Lamb made another play two hands later because he knew within 15 minutes he was going to have to slow down. He he, he made another move, like, right after that. Yeah. After the 15 minutes, he three-bet again with Kings. And Hines snap-folded because he knows he's like, oh, he knows that I know he just three bet me light twice. He's got something here, and he didn't. So even doesn't it change the dynamic then, though? Yeah. So it's just it's just, it's just you have more information. Poker's a game of limited information. Yeah. It e- each hand is independent of one another. 
Yeah, it brings in huge levels and huge dynamics that have never been introduced in other poker tournaments. But why? It, so who's to say it's a bad thing? Yeah, right. Into, you, don't, you don't introduce it into the granddaddy of poker tournaments. It, it isn't fair. Is, that's going to get the most media coverage. I, I don't understand why it has to be 15 minutes. It doesn't minutes. make I the mean, game better. Yeah, I don't know why it has to be 15 minutes. If it minutes, does, the viewer, it does. It, it's not about the viewer. It's about the, it is, though. of the game. Yeah. No, it has nothing to do with Because the that's what brings in more people to the game. Because the if fish it, go away and you have to keep bringing the fish in. If you get more people in the game, sacrificing the integrity of the game, I'd rather have less people. You really feel like having it on a 15-minute delay or an hour delay really sacrifices that much of the integrity? An hour delay I can kind of live with. And you think it makes that big a difference? Because I think, like, four of the guys that got yes. interviewed said they didn't felt they felt it didn't make a difference at all. Well, that's nonsense. They, they all have teams there. They, yeah. have to, they, they all have that, they all have the ability. You can yeah. you could get coaching for the four months between the times. Yeah, you know, I'm coaching. gonna I'm gonna try to. I'm going to try to talk to my buddies who are not obviously as much into poker as we are and find out what they thought of the broadcast so because I, I, I don't even know. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to find out. I haven't talked to anyone actually really today about it. But um, I think that this was the best poker I've ever – like the best final table I've ever watched. This is the most – It was by far the most entertaining. The most, but that doesn't Paul. change if you put it on an hour but delay. You got to watch Pius Hines or Pius Hines. You got to watch him – control the dynamic of the final table from beginning to end every hand watch him build on his image and then read the dynamics of who's doing what and extend his chip lead we got to watch that for the first time now i'm not sure everyone could appreciate that i'm not even sure i fully was able to appreciate everything he was doing but we got to see something that we've never seen at a final table before and, and I don't think it's going. I don't think it's going away. Well, it's definitely not. It's not going away because it's think not it's going, going away. It's going. There's going to be more and more of this. But we got much better content, and it required a long investment. I watched it for whatever ten hours yesterday, but it was brilliant to watch, and it was it was so it was a diff, completely different experience than watching that one and a half hour, two hour edited show that's on Tuesday nights. It was it a was, much different experience because the the viewership of those shows keeps continually going down. And the viewership of the live coverage increased significantly well, over the yeah. summer. And I'm well, sure it was the first time too. I mean, there's no long-term trend there. That means it's it's definitely going to win out. But you know, it's definitely a positive for sure. But I mean, I see I see both your points. I think I, I guess I don't understand why it has to be 15 minutes. If it were an hour, it probably is a is probably way more acceptable than than a 15 minute. Yeah, an hour I could live with. Yeah. Because at least there's some time has elapsed, and also more hands, so you can't talk about every single hand. Yeah, I really don't get why it's so short. But I keep saying that, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'd love to find out. <laughs> the only yeah. thing I can think of is because of it airing on the East Coast and the time difference already. They wanted to minimize that because, I mean, it didn't get over they to started what? an hour early. 2.30 in the morning at, here? They started at what? 12.30 there? 12.30 there. Started at 12 or started at 11.45. Everyone, I'm sure everyone will make it. I don't think well, it started at noon, I guess, because it started airing or noon at 12.15 because it started airing at 3.30 here. Well, my point is I'm sure they were trying to make sure they got it in right. so people weren't going on two hours of sleep at work this morning because it's trying to gain ground with the average viewer, not yeah, us. You, yeah, agreed, but you start – I mean you're starting at 1230. It's not like you st- the tournament's starting at 7 a.m. and you really have no, no wiggle room. I mean, oh, I, I mean I agree a lot of it is okay, but the point is I'm guessing that's why they started it. Right. Okay. Well, I think – I think. Well, sorry. Go ahead, Derek. It seemed like Ben Lamb and, and Pius Hines – we're the only two who really seem to kind of play off that dynamic, though, or at least what you could see them adjusting 
to what maybe the other thought of them. Maybe it's just because they were playing more hands, you know, especially later than the other guys. But there were never any points where I kind of went, oh, wow, you know, Gianetti knows that that just happened, so he must be doing this now. I don't know. Like, I'd be most mad if I was Gianetti. You spend hours and hours setting up your image or playing really tag, and then if you make one move, people know about it in 15 minutes. Like, it's retarded. But are they going to really expect him not to make a move the entire day? I mean, he played, based on what we saw, really tag, exactly how his image was. I know, but I'm just saying if you spend the whole time setting up your image like that and then make one or two moves and it's all destroyed, I don't see how that's fair. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting dynamic. I I, am, I guess I'm kind of like some of you guys. Like I enjoy it from a perspective of watching it, but I can certainly see some downside from the poker player's side especially if you're sitting at the table. But then it's easy. If you know that's going to happen, they're going to do this with the final table, and you don't like it, don't play the tournament. You have that option. That is the most closed-minded view of anything I've ever heard in my life. Like, are you retarded? (laughs) Maybe, but... That that doesn't make any sense. Nobody's forcing you to play the tournament. I mean, nobody's forcing me to eat either. That's true, but but you're going to die. I have to do it. And if I choose to be a professional poker player, I have to play poker. Well, and this wasn't the way it was scheduled to happen when they entered the tournament either. This was decided upon fairly recently. That's true. I didn't realize that. I mean, I'm sure there's a stipulation. Before before it started, they said they were going to have – no, because before they started, they said they were going to have live coverage. They didn't save the final table, and they said before the main event happened, they were going to have live coverage on ESPN2 and ESPN3 with whole cards. So people knew if they were at the feature table – that this was a possibility. Like in the PCA, they had an hour delay and they took everybody's cell phone. If you were railing, you couldn't have right. your cell phone. Like what's wrong with doing that? Yeah, I don't I, I, I gotta agree with Casey on that point. I think it's a compromise that's fine. You just the extend the, the time. Just you extend get to see the, the time. The it's just that the, the players aren't gathering so much information that they literally should not have. There's a reason that ninety nine percent of the poker players out there don't show their hands. Right. But I'll tell you, if if we were forced to make a choice that the only way you could do this long-form, long, long form live, nearly live broadcast is 15 minutes, I would take the 15-minute. I would, right, I would take but it. I don't think that is. No, no, I agree. I mean, it's not a right. – there's no absolute here. It's not, not a black-and-white answer. It should be a little bit longer for the reasons you mentioned, but, but the – you know, if you put that aside, this broadcast was phenomenal. This is this is the best poker TV. Ever. But I'll tell you another thing while we're on it. When they weren't showing whole cards, unless it went to showdown right. the time before, like uh, when they were getting down to the to the November nine. Remember that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You guys said the same thing about that. You were you're like, this is the best poker I've ever watched. Yeah, it was. So this like, the it, they were always improving it. But just to make it this extreme, to 15 minutes later, you can know everybody's hand is is just way jumping the I, I don't think for the for the amount of people that they're attracting for the final table I, I I talked to a lot of casual players and they did not like not knowing what people had so I think for the hardcore players like us I think we would accept that because we find it challenging and thought-provoking but I think for the average person I talked to I mean I went to a couple home games afterwards and they were like ah I, I don't know couldn't didn't know what the guys had I uh, it was kind of stupid. Like they get bored with it if they don't they understand the dynamics. It, yeah, they're not watching four hours of it to understand the like, 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 dynamics. Just like you said, they would have turned it off a lot quicker yeah. than they would have this when I they think know it. Every gotta have way. the whole cards exposed, no, showdown or no. Well, you guys might be right on that point, but I still think that's solved with an hour delay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, I'm okay with an hour yeah. delay. But the the thing is, I don't think 
for an event this big that you're going to be able to absolutely sequester everybody and have the media be yeah. on outward delay and everything else. I think that's okay. How about how about for the final three? If you agree to go in that stadium, you can't leave until it's over. You can't do that because what if you're going to have some upset people who got third that might have to sit there through a six-hour heads-up battle? Okay, well those people are now become irrele- irrelevant. They can leave. Well, yeah. I, I think you just for the three-handed just started at eight o'clock instead of eight forty-five and just do an hour delay. Or you can leave any time you want, but you can't come back in. Right. Yeah. Um, so I basically, mean, I think what we're settling on is it's not perfect. There are they they should and probably will look at it and figure out how to make it better. Um. And there's an integrity question, but I think I think we kind of have to agree that this was. Definitely- I'm not agreeing on nothing, goddammit. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they're gonna do whatever ESPN tells them because ESPN's giving them a lot of money, sure. and I think the key problem is Caesars doesn't kick any of that money back to the players and just gets to keep that as a profit and still charges really high rake. I think that that's if- the main problem. If what if what if ESPN was putting five million in the prize pool or two million in the prize pool, would you be okay with it, Casey? No, I wouldn't. So I if really- there was an extra overlay of two or three million or whatever you still would be completely against it i don't like the dynamic man i do not like the dynamic it it really affects the people that are making the moves you make a a great move and your opponent gets to know 15 minutes later it's retarded like the whole thing is you have your opponent thinking he couldn't have done that with air you and meanwhile you did like you the whole thing is you have your opponent thinking and there's no show ski and hutch. But aren't they, gonna, show one are they gonna be aren't they gonna be thinking as well? Okay. I didn't think Yes, I, I agree that they're gonna be thinking that and it sets up a whole different dynamic once they find out the hand. But that's not the way it should be. But what if that's the way it becomes? Won't I don't be, like it. I'm entitled not to like it. Well, okay, I'll give you that. But don't do you think it's going in a way? Yeah, I I honestly like I haven't heard anything from anybody else. But yes, I believe that it will be longer than 15 minutes next year. All right. Yeah, I, and I, th- I think it's probably I, – I can't see the argument for making it just 15 minutes being good enough to counter the player's argument. I mean, I know it's all about ESPN. I agree with that, but it doesn't – 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, it's really not that big of a difference. Yeah. I, and there may be something I'm missing, but I, I don't think it's Yeah, unless right. there's some legal or production issue that requires that, then – yeah. I can't see any reason not to go to a longer delay. Well, I think they just want to make it as close to live as possible. Yeah, probably. Well, yeah, let's, they... make it, let's make it one minute. <laughs> make it live. Yo, Sean, what do you have? Yeah, they say the spades, Casey. Thanks. <laughs> uh, all right, well, anyway, so we, we, we all know everyone's feelings on that matter, but let's talk about the actual um, – I'm right, you're wrong. The play, the play itself. If we were face to face, we'd be fighting it. <laughs> if there were stress balls in Casey's hands, they would all be thrown at your head. Yes, <laughs> along with my fist. <laughs> all right. Well, what about the game? What about the play itself? Um, you know, we're down to obviously the three, the final three. Um, but of the, do you think one of those three played the best at the table, or was there someone else who played better and got unlucky what are you guys thoughts on how each individual player played who was who was the who stood out to you as the best player germany wins yeah heinz was like in my mind clearly the best like it was it was sexy (laughs) it really was like watching it like i kind of got a semi fucking hard on (laughs) this doesn't surprise me that's the funny part it was just so smooth the way that guy played the 
the whole dynamics of everything. Yeah. I mean, you just like every single poker player watching, he's like, why can't I be there? Yeah. Why can't this be me? Like, look at the, look at the glory this guy's in right now. Just absolutely moving these puppets around. And, and I, I love how, I love how Helmuth was like, I think he's going to blow up. I think he's going to blow up. And then later on, he's like, he's really not blowing up. <laughs> right. Helmuth's commentary was awful. It was awful. Like, do you, when you guys are listening to Helmuth and he says something, do you think, oh, my God, how do you, how have you won so many yeah. Yes, it makes no like, sense. You're awful. I think he's leveling the world. Right. And, then, <laughs> and then he gets number two in player of the year this year, and I'm just like, how? Yeah, I can't figure it out. But as with our last argument, I do think that he appeals to a certain demographic that is good to be appealed to, and I think that's exactly why they have him on. Oh, yeah, I, the people uh, that can't get into different levels of poker. So, right. so like Antonio, like at least that guy has a very great poker mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you understand everything he's saying. Like Helmuth, the one thing Helmuth is good on when you're watching the the broadcast and he's saying is hand ranges. He's like, I think this guy has this here or this there. Yeah. And he's usually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Antonio nailed how many hands? Yeah, he's like ace nine, and he ace, had nine. ace nine. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, Casey, what was it about Pius that that like what did he do? Give me give me an example of one of the things that he did that really impressed you. Like what, what was it controlling the dynamic? I, mean, I think the main thing he did was completely take Janetti out of the game. Like Janetti could do nothing because he was right on his left. Right. So that just one. made Janetti a, a completely ABC player. And the fact that he had Lamb on his left and was still willing to go that extra mile and four bet or lead out on certain flops and then double barrel him or whatever, he was, like, controlling both sides of the table. Right. Like, it was pretty impressive play. Like, it really was. Like, I don't I don't know him, and, like, I was going into the final table, definitely going for Ben Lamb or Phil Collins. But, I mean, I'm, I think Heinz deserves it now. I'm, I'm hoping he wins. Yeah, I think Heinz deserves it. So who do you want to, who do you think is best to win? Like who, who do you think would be the better, the best, the best winner here? I mean, like for the, the good of the game or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like personally, I, I agree. I think obviously Lamb is a great player, but I kind of am sick of having the winner be the guy who got lucky a bunch of times. Not that he's not a great player. He obviously is, but you know, you got the whole Kata thing where he got lucky a couple of times. It'd be great to have you know, Pius win and win by dominating everyone and just you know, show, you know, show the And the German market's booming, too. Right, right. The last person that won, in my mind, that played the best was Joe Hashem. Yeah. Right. You know, right. like, yeah, he. everybody needs to get lucky, but, yeah, he kind of, like, in my mind, played the best. You don't but, think Jerry Yang played all well? <laughs> yeah, he played real good. <laughs> what about Stasco? How did you think he played? Um, I mean, he... he Sometimes he plays really good, and sometimes he'll make a move where I'm like, like that one three bet he made. I'm like, like it makes no sense. Your line right. here, yeah. it makes no sense. You know so, he's won I a mean, scoop, right? Huh? He won a scoop. Yeah, he did win a scoop. I didn't realize but, that until yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think he played really good. I mean, he's yeah. at the final table of the WSOP main event. Obviously, anybody that makes it there is at least as good as Jerry Yang. What did you think about him having 12,000 chips on the bubble and folding 42 straight hands to get them in cash and now final tabling it? I didn't know that, but I mean. Yeah. 
did he win a scoop in well, scoop is in, in April? Okay, so he won a scoop before the main event. So yeah. why, does he really need the money that badly? I mean, I don't know. Lindgren was at his table. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that too. I would, you know, you would expect someone who like satellited in and has no money to do that. Yeah, if you guys want a scoop. He's probably doing. Was he at a feature table when he did this? No, no, I don't think no, he was so. just at how, how do you know it's 42 hands? Like, did he, say, it. did he say to the table, I'm going to start folding for every hand now? And start <laughs> like, no, 42 just... hands is a lot of hands. Yeah, off. it is. Like, that's like levels. That's a lot of folding to get down to 12,000 when the blinds were 2,500, 5,000 too. I could see the calculators going on in his head every hand. Like, you could see. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like yeah. completely playing a math base. That was his chess background, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he was playing such a math-based game. It was he was I mean he was bored you know he he wasn't doing anything. I like when I, he tries to stare at Ben Lamb and then realize that Ben Lamb is not gonna flame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about um what about Phil Collins and the whole limping strategy? What did you think of that? Awful, in my opinion. Really? Like I, I know uh, I, like I talked to Sean about this and he's like, well, he was just limping his whole range like when he limped with Jackson stuff. But I just think it was I, I I don't think it was very good. Like that's not I don't play that strategy. So I mean, right. but I mean, I, what's the rationale there? So what like, I'd love to talk about this a little bit because I, I I like to I mean even if even if it's bad, I like to hear about different ways of approaching. Well, the rationale is if he's limping his whole range, like that one hand he limped with Jacks and the flop came ace ace rag, and he ended up winning the pot, and then the like two or three hands later he limped ace seven and Ben Lam, or ace eight and Ben Lamb jammed ace seven and he ended up folding. So if Lamb does that on the Jacks hand, he probably stacks them. That's right. that's his rationale of limping his whole range. Right when there. I think it was based on the stack sizes on his left at the beginning of the day, he could call raises from them, but right. he couldn't call three bets. Right. That okay, that's that's what I was getting. at. I don't believe that's the reason because even if you go back to when they were fourteen, fifteen handed, he was doing limping. Oh, was he? Not okay, yeah, so. No, I thought he that was his, his whole range. No, he wasn't limping his whole range though. Fourteen, fifteen handed. No, he wasn't limping his whole range, but he was doing some limping. Yes, he was doing some, but yeah. I think from what I could see, it was because he wanted to be able to, you know, call three bets. I mean, that's what it seemed like. That's yeah, it appeared to me, and because then he was playing. Seems to me like you can call a three bet with jacks if you lose. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what was weird? Range. What was weird is that the table was so tight that you'd think he would have just said, "Well, I might as well start raising because." Right. He, I mean, yeah, for, the, for the first several hours, it was just kind of like raise, fold, raise, fold. Yeah, he cuts off his entire ability to steal pots. He, I think he went in with this plan and didn't adjust. Yeah, like you, you would think he said, wow, this is going to be an aggressive table with Lamb and Hines and Giannette. You know, it's going to be aggressive. I'm going to limp and, and try to, you know, trap people or whatever. But you, at some point, he, I guess he needed to adjust. I mean, yeah. I mean, far be it for me to tell you. USC filled out how to play poker, but yeah, he's clearly very good. He's very successful online. He just final tabled this. I've met him in person. He's a great guy, so I'm not going to say anything bad about him. I just think it's the wrong strategy to try and apply there at, at this table. I well, think also, if he, he would have put his cage hat on, he could have he could have won this thing. Yeah, I mean, we also have never been in that situation with all the TV cameras and the 15 minute delay and playing for eight. He did not seem. Nine million. He didn't seem phased. Honestly, I think it was just like you said. It was a strategy, and he didn't deviate from it. I don't think he seemed phased. I don't think. I don't. I think he. I think he was actually unfazed and focused. Yeah, he seems cool as yeah. yeah, yeah, it's super. Um, the biggest surprise to me was that Makieski just like blinded down to shove stack, shove stack, and then shoved. I mean, like like he didn't, and he got he obviously he took an all he got an awful turn there, um, with the nine. Was that, was that Heinz? Yeah, Heinz. Yeah. Yeah. But he, like, from what we saw previously, I mean, uh, the announcers beat this to death, so I'm not, we won't have to 
go too depth into this, but he was very aggressive leading up to not really the final table bubble, but like day seven or so. He was super aggressive, and he just kind of did nothing. And maybe four months, they didn't realize how big the pay jumps were. Yeah, right. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe he just said, "I have to change my style because." Everyone, yeah, but everybody knows that I'm super aggressive, so I'm gonna. And just he was kind of short. I mean, yeah. with a stack like that, you're kind of limited in what you can do. Yeah, that's true. Well, what about hey, Bonar? Mark has asked me that if we stop using the phrase "kind of short." <laughs> <laughs> so really short. <laughs> um, what about Bonara? Was there? Wasn't? Didn't he like? Limp King 10 oh. from small blind at one point. That was Yeah, he limp folded with eight big blinds. Limp, blind yeah, that was the worst hand I've ever seen in a final table in like the last yeah. five years. Yeah. He, well, I think he made it very clear that he's a recreational player. and Yeah, he's the one guy that didn't fit in at the table, in my opinion. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost hard to fault the guy because you know, he's, he might even be the one guy who probably didn't get a single poker lesson while he took four months off, you know? So, are, so Casey, Sean, are the, be, are, are the three... The three players in the top three, the people who deserve to be there, or or, or someone, or is uh, the... you got to feel for Janetti. Yeah, yeah I mean, great. Although he came off like without saying anything, like he didn't say anything, and he he had this. He came like to me, he came off a bit douche. You know, I've been hearing that, but what did he do? He did, I, he did nothing. Thing, and he, didn't he handled that. the beats. He handled the beats as well as anyone could possibly. Uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> he did, like he I, didn't I, smile. I, I feel bad now for even – I think I said to it – Sean goes to me, like, when we were watching yesterday on Skype, he goes, who are you rooting for? And I'm like, not Gennetti because he's coming off really douchey to me. But then I felt really bad when he when he busted yeah. that way. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, a once-in-a-lifetime situation. You could smile every once in a while. I mean, well, when you're not in the hand. You know what I think it was? I mean, if you look at the table, like, those – the other three guys were sort of piled at one end, and Gennetti was all the way at the other end, <laughs> like, all by himself. And they were all kind of joking with each other and talking a little bit on one end, but like Gene Eddie would have kind of had to. It's kind of like you know, it was like he was at a party and the three people were in the corner and he was over at the bar and yeah. just kind of sitting there talking to himself. Yeah. But I, I thought he played well. Yeah. I I was really shocked. Like two hours into the final tip, I'm like, is Ben Lamb even here? Yeah. I was I was happy to see that one of Ben Lamb's supporters dressed up as a lamb. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, ben, Lamb didn't really do much in the beginning, but honestly, I don't think he really had to, like, come in, like, trying to shut everyone down. Like, he got it in for really good for 60 big blinds, like, where he would have been. You know, I know he got lucky later on, but he kind of bided his time and, and was not super aggressive until he got it in for 60 big blinds. And he lost it. was like that was to Phil Collins, I think, right? Where Collins, yeah, with the queen... Uh, where he hit the flush on the turn. Yeah, but that wasn't 60 big blinds. Yeah, I think it was 60 big blinds. It was, uh, it, it was a, well, it was a big, st- I think, no, Ben would have had 60 big blinds. Right, Ben had yeah. 60, but Colin. Yeah, I mean, and he would have been, like, third in chips two hours in. So I think, you know, I think everyone was playing pretty conservatively the first two hours anyway, just trying to get a feel for the table. So I think that's what he was doing, and it, he wasn't. It's kind of- big pay jumps as well. Right. Yeah. you got to remember how, you how like big the get- ICM wise, I mean, there are definitely adjustments. Yeah. How would you like to get ninth and get zero dollars? Uh, it's got to be like the... straight to the ghost bar and plunge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, one of the things that might be leading people to say that Giannetti was kind of a douche is his interview with Kara, which I actually didn't see for some reason. I don't know if he either. I, I came walked up away. Good in that interview. 
Well, I guess the last thing they said to each other, Kara says, any one of these players play impress you at this table? And Gina's, Ginetti said, no, no. No, that's not what happened. She said, does anybody's play stand out? Do you have a favorite or, you know, can you nail anything like that? And he's like, no, nah, not at this moment. You know, like, he oh. was, it, it wasn't douchey. It wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, this, this is the way it was quoted uh, on one of the forums. Uh, so I, I, I think the guy just – he was super serious. He was super focused. And I think he played well. He played – you know, he had a shitty seat, uh, you know, after a while. He started, he started with, with a great seat. started with a great seat, but then he had, you know, uh, Hines and, and Lamb to his to his left. And, you know, he was just he was just playing ABC, although he was doing a lot of calling out of the big blind. Like, yeah, that was the one thing he was doing. And then – which I don't mind doing. I do it a lot. Like in my warm up video that I just did, we, me and Mark talk about it in depth because I never fold my big blind. But right. the one thing that he wasn't doing was really making any moves after that. Right. It was, if he it, missed, he yep. would just give up. Yep. 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 He would hit or fold. Right. Fold. You know. So. So right. I, I agree with that. Um, but you know, I think the guy. I, I can't. I, I don't. I can't understand or accept any hate for him on this one i think he was just really focused um i think he wanted it more than anyone at that table <laughs> even bias i think he was really like you could tell he was so focused on this tournament um but i don't know if you can base that off who wants it more though no i know i mean actually you know what saying who wants a tournament is a stupid thing so i'm gonna take it back because <laughs> i hate when someone says that in, in sports like yeah he really wants to win this game they all want to win the game right but right. I, I, don't, I mean i just i felt like he was not that he wanted it more, but he was the most – his heart – he had the most heart for it. I don't know. He just – he seemed so focused and not interested in looking or talking to anyone else. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't. I mean, yeah. in, at this stage, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it comes off as douchey to a lot of people. I just don't think it's fair. On a random business note, was anybody surprised at the lack of patches? Nope. Um, I mean, I know, I know, I know they couldn't be full – well, I know they couldn't be full filter poker stars. But right. Yeah, I mean – yeah, I mean, they couldn't be I, any site that ever offered games to American players. Why would you any poker patch site? on American? Like, no one was throwing a patch on American. No, 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 no. They couldn't represent any site that ever offered oh, okay. poker to right. Americans. Oh, all right. Well, but why would an 888 then? Or they were. They had two. Why didn't they have it signed? I think you can only have you can, two that, or that three. still in effect? Okay. I yeah, it might so, be. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, there's... A, there's Dozens of other poker right. companies out there. I mean, I don't know, Card Player Magazine or Bluff. Why didn't or... TPE have a patch? That, that's a good that's question. A... That is a good question. Yeah. I think it was Sean's fault because I'm blaming everything on Sean today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so two questions then. First off, I think we answered already, but who, the player who deserves to win, we all agreed that, that Pius has played the best. I feel like he has. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, think I think it's pretty clear. Um, but I want to be clear that anybody remaining, I don't think, has played bad. Right. Correct. Fair They're enough. They're all good players. I think. Fair enough. But Pius has really put on a display, and I think it's 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 deserve most deserving. Although the other two guys would still be deserving of a, a win, but I think he's just a little more deserving. Um, who's best for poker? Who's going to be best for poker to win? I think it's probably going to be Ben Ben Lamb. I think it might be Pius. Well, I mean, he's he's got a little bit of an accent there, and I'm not sure he comes off as really charismatic or whatever. Um, but but I mean, might, I don't think he'd be awful for poker. But they might get a nice little poker boom in Germany if he wins. I think the poker in Germany is booming already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they could only. I'm help. not sure how much more he could bring to it, but I mean, to me, I, I don't really look at that. I think Pius might scare the common player. Honestly, him winning might might make it seem like. You really have to be an aggressive young kid to win these things now. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I guess you could say that, but I, 
traditionally over the last few years it hasn't always been that way. Right. I think if there were different factors in play, like I mean, you know, say regulation was happening next week, right? Then maybe Ben Lamb winning would be right a bigger deal. But you know, the, what we have to work with right now is that foreign markets are becoming more and more important, and I think for that reason, Pius is probably pretty good. What about Stasco? Too boring. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but what do you say about a guy who picked up poker at 32 and is winning the main event four years later at 36? That's pretty impressive, and that's pretty pretty neat story for the wider market. Well, I don't think it's as impressive as you think because I mean, all these 21 year old kids that did it couldn't have picked it up too much before four years ago. Yeah, but there's a lot of people. The the the, the bigger market for poker is the 32-year-olds with disposable income, then even though it's dominated by the young kids, it's a bigger market. You know, do you think Do you think there's a lot of mid-30-year-olds that are going to hear this story all of a sudden and go, ooh, maybe I can do that? If he was yeah. an American with an no, but I, I, That may be, but I'm just saying about the fact that he's there four years later. I don't think that's so impressive. I just don't think he's a Dennis Phillips type middle aged no, guy. No, he's definitely he, not. Like, he's a little bit of an enigma. He's like a chess phenom. Yeah, and, he probably won't talk much and like if i got to the main event i'm 40 years old next year i, I wouldn't consider myself the middle-aged guy who's just picking up poker you're considering yourself the old guy <laughs> yeah, <pokers laughs> <and me> are <laughs> <gonna> go. <laughs> <laughs> all right very good all right well let's um let's talk about some hands then um let's get into some strategy so i'm leaving unless cougars leave cougars apologize to casey <sighs> no <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, God, I hate when he gets tough thousands of miles away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there were a couple of turning point hands, I think, um, some big hands that actually had – some of them had multi-street action too, so they were, they were pretty interesting. The first hand that I think we should talk about is, in my mind, the biggest turning point of the entire tournament. Um, it's the one that allowed Heinz to get a big stack and – then he was able to exercise um, control of the dynamics. And it's the, the hand against Giannetti. Um, when, no, I'm sorry. No, not, not Giannetti. It's the hand against O'Day. When... O'Day, 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 <laughs> So he – okay. So we don't have – it's not as easy to do this as when we have a hand history. But um trying to remember how, what the chip stacks were like at the time. But I think O'Day – you know, O'Day was, I guess, at – about 30 million at the time, and I think Heinz was probably around 24. I could be wrong about the exact stack sizes. Uh, and the blinds were at 36, right? 300, 600? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I uh, so. It is. Okay, so it, it is 300, 600, and Bunaro is on the button, and Heinz. So Heinz raises to 1.3 uh, million. Lamb uh, flats. So I think Heinz was in early position here too. So it's Heinz raises to 1.3, Lamb flats right next to him, and then it gets to O'Day, who squeezes to 4.1 million. So first off, I mean, I actually, given Heinz was, you know, he's known to be an aggressive player, um, and he's raising from early position, Lamb is flatting him. Um, what do we think of O'Day squeezing here? What, what kind of range, you know? I mean, we know his hand, but we won't reveal it yet. But just in terms, I actually don't know his hand because I uh, I watched the coverage, but I didn't see this hand because okay. I came in a little later. Okay. But I think his squeeze is fine because obviously Heinz is aggro and yeah. Lamb is also aggro, so I, I think this is probably as good of a spot to squeeze as any. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, that's what I thought, and you know, I was watching my wife, and she's you know, she's like what, trying to figure out what's going on and why why that was. You know, so I think that's a pretty good squeeze, and for those reasons, I think it's a you know. 
you could do this profitably with air in many cases because knowing those two players, um, regardless of the hand, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, so uh, it gets back to Heinz and he flats. So now, if we're like twenty-four to twenty or twenty-four million, that's again, I don't remember the exact number of chips he had at the time. But um, what do we think of a flat here? What what, what kind of range are we? Are we? I mean, I, like obviously it's Heinz and you. You said he's aggressive, so I'm not sure what he has here. But I would immediately flag would go up because there's still action behind him. Right. Ben Lamb is still behind him, so I don't put him on. I don't put him on anything too aggy. I, I gotta put him on at least a pocket pair. Like I, I, I'm not sure, but I mean, I feel like it's got to be somewhat of a pretty strong hand with action still behind him. Right, and he's also doing that. He's going to be out of position to O'Day though. So, what kind of hands would you want to play out of position for that big of a pot? Against that's what I'm saying. I mean, I have his range pretty tight here. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like I wish I knew the hands because I might come off sounding like an idiot when he has two six or something. But uh, I would have him on a pretty tight range at this point. Okay. Well, it's good that you know the hand because I think it'll be more interesting <laughs> to hear as we go along. Um, okay. So Lamb folds. Um, and then it's just uh, it's, it's O'Day and, and Hines, and Hines is, is going to be first to act. So there's 10 million in the pot now. Um, yeah, Hines had 4 million, 20 million left in his stack at this point, according to Poker News. So yeah, he started with 24 million. Um, 10 million in the pot. The flop is eight of clubs, eight of diamonds, and four of clubs. So you got two clubs on on there, and and no no high cards. Um, and then who's first to act here? Heinz? No, O'Day. Heinz is in position. Heinz is in, okay. So O'Day is actually going to be okay. O'Day's so never mind. The small blind. Yeah. Okay. So never mind. Never mind something I said earlier. So O'Day is actually in the small blind when he squeezes. So so then Heinz I think can flat a lot more there since he's going to be. I don't there. know. He's still got action behind. So true. True. Okay. All right. Well then, Heinz. Um, O'Day grabs chips. Heinz uh, has twenty million left, and O'Day bets four point six into ten million. Um, and Heinz flats. So now, what's going on? Um, you know, if you're if you're these guys here, like I'm uh, thinking fives or sixes or or something that like maybe he's just hoping that uh, O'Day slows down on the turn. He feels like his hand could be good a good percentage right. of the time. Right, because I mean, O'Day is going to bet this uh, like a hundred percent of the time, right? Yeah, maybe nine. After three betting. Yeah. What's what's that, Sean? After three betting, I think he's got a lead. He's gonna. Wait, do you you think Hines is gonna flat? I mean, I guess he kind of has to flat that flop with even five, six, or sevens. But how often do you think he's flatting the three bet with action behind with five, sixes, and sevens there? I mean, how deep were were the other two guys? They had him covered, so he twenty four twenty four million effective to start the hand basically against those two. So he has forty big blinds. Yeah. Yeah. And both guys have him covered. I think it's fine to to maybe see if you can hit your set there. I don't think it's awful. Right. You have 40 big lines. And he's going to have position, and he might be able to steal this later in the turn. If, yeah, that's yeah. true. You know? So, so okay, so I think based on the... I guess he doesn't have a pocket pair since Sean said that. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so based on pre-flop action, you know, I think the the the, the, um, the flop is, is, is not unexpected. So, so O'Day bets, and Hines just calls. Um, and I think they're both going to be doing that with almost... Really, I mean, I guess there's a spot here for Hines to, to if he has, you know, uh, clubs and wants to, to, to semi-bluff, he could raise. But I think a lot of the time that's going to happen. And so I don't know if there's that much more information we're going to get on the flop. Um, but then the turn comes, and it's the two of clubs. 
Um, and so that completes the fuss draw. There's 20 million in the pot. And so we're basically 16 million effective at this point. And O'Day um, thinks for a minute or not really that long and bets 8.2 million into 20 million. Um, so now if you're Hines, what are you thinking here? I mean, I guess it, I guess you need to know the, his hand. To well, read. I mean, this is what it comes down to. Do you read his bet of just about half a stack more as more as a bluff or more for value? Are you talking to me? Well, yeah. What do you think? I don't know. Like, I'm completely confused because now, like, my mind's thinking, okay, he doesn't have a pocket pair because of what Sean said, so. Right. <laughs> the flush draw gets there on the turn. But that's really it. Like, whose hand are you asking me about? All right. When <clears throat> O'Day bets eight, basically half of Heinz's stack on the turn. You know what? I, I think we need. I think we need to. Talk, I think we, so. He needs to know one of the hands to make this an effective analysis. Is just. I mean, I would say. Uh, I would say yeah. O'Day either has like ace king or ace queen or some sort of pocket pair. That's what I have O'Day on. Right. Okay. I mean, because of the pre-flop action, Heinz. I still am of the opinion that he has some sort of pocket pair. Five right. sixes. Well, you know what? I think this is the crucial moment of the. I think I think this is the crucial decision. So let's just tell you what he has. So 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 Heinz has queens here. So now yeah. he's faced with that giant bet. Um, it's you know, there's still a, a river to come. So you know, O'Day saying basically all the chips are going in here. Um, if you call, he's gonna clearly bet the the river, I guess, as well. Does he have the queen of clubs? Yeah, he does have the queen of clubs. Yeah. You never fold, I don't think. Yeah, so he doesn't. Um, he calls, and Casey, you were exactly right. He had ace queen. Ace, ace, ace what? Ace queen. Oh yeah. They had ace queen. Yeah. Um, what do you think about O'Day's line? Well, I mean, at the beginning, I put him on a real tight range because of the action that was still behind him. But then the way it played out, because I don't, I probably, I probably just decide on that flop that okay, if he has kings or aces, good game. Right. If you're so Hines, probably, right? With the queens? Yeah, like, uh, what if it, what if the turn is the king? Like, I just want to stab myself in the eye with a really, really dull knife. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. So I would probably just go, okay, just bet, I would have got 8 million less, obviously. He just bet 4 million. Uh, I'm all in. So you that's why I kind of thought maybe he was just trying to control the pot with something like fives or sixes. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think his line's fine. It's pretty ballsy. Yeah. What do you think about O'Day's line. I mean, that's how I would have played O'Day, O'Day's hand. You bet exactly. the you bet the eight million. That 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 was kind of my question. I mean, was, it's a great card to two barrel, no? Yeah, I know, but betting half the stack like that live, do you see that more as a bluff or more for value? Oh, I think it could have been. I really think either? it could have been either. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what was really the right right about O'Day's line is that I think he's playing everything in his range exactly this way. Like it just, you know, unless it just seemed like it, it, I couldn't tell if it was value or a bluff because, it, especially on the flop, because he's gonna always see bet the flop there, and then what's he gonna? He's either just gonna give up or he's gonna take a stab for the pot when Hines didn't shove on him, so it's he could be folding a turn. It was definitely, you know, it's not. It was a really tough spot for a day. Pretty interesting, yeah. 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 I don't. I don't know if it was posturing, but. Heinz at one point looked like he almost folded, like he picked his yeah, cards up and he did almost tossed them in. I well, was I like, see why he would. He, I mean, there's a lot of money on the line, but I think you just have to be like, all right, yeah. I got coolered out of the main event. I can live with that. 
Right. I mean, I think was there like was there seven or eight left at this point, Derek? I forget how many people were left, but it was not. You know, there were still a lot of players left, so the the, the pay jumps. You know, well, I think there were eight left. Right. So he hadn't made much money yet. Getting Bunaraha or what, no, he got seven, so at least seven left. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that and that was really the turning point because um, Hines had forty-one million at that point, and then I think he, you know, he knocked out Makayeski, you know, with, for like a fifteen big blind or something shove then. But um, this is he. This is when he he really turned into you know the big stack and started to play the dynamics you know perfectly. Um, so that was an interesting hand. Um, Derek, what do you think the next interesting hand would be? Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the four bet hand that, uh, Lamb played okay. against Stasco. Right, you got that one? Find it? Yeah. Um, that was a fun one. Yeah, I thought it was interesting and, and I thought pretty aggressive considering the hands involved. Um, so Stasco, did you see this hand, Casey? Um, no. I came in, I came in six handed. Okay. So no, I did not see this hand. I think this is four-handed. What? What is? Who is the hand? The king eight eight plot between Stasco and Lamb. Oh yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely a million percent seen this hand. What was the? Okay. Or the blinds? This is the hand time. I referenced earlier about a bad line by Stasco. All right, so let's talk about right. it. Yeah, I'm actually not sure what the blinds were at this point. They must have been um four eight. Seems right based five, on the betting. It could have been 500 a million. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, somewhere in that range. So Stasco limps in from under the gun, uh, and then Ben Lamb checks. Yeah. Uh, in the big blind, and the flop comes king eight eight. And now they both. Lamb, I think Lamb only had like 30 million behind. Yeah. I yeah. remember Lamb was the shorty at this time, right? And I think he had about 30 bigs. Yeah, because yeah, I remember thinking, well, that's a lot to put in. Yep, so did I. That little behind. Um, so, so yeah, so on that King 88 flop, Lamb checks. Stasco bets 1.2 million. Uh, and Lamb check raises to 2.6 million. So, for the, for the sake of understanding the dynamics here, I guess, we can tell them that both players have nothing. Uh, you said it was deuce four and five, six off. Something like uh, that. Yeah, one had two, six high, one had four high. Two of spades, high. four of clubs for Lamb and five eight, or no, five six, uh, five seven, I think for uh, Stashko. Now four handed, was there any limping? I don't recall much limping going on. There was some blind versus blind. Okay, but under yeah, the gun, was it, like a Stasco under the gun limp was completely confusing to me. I didn't, yeah, I didn't there was some other limping. There, a couple times it did go three ways hmm. with a limp four handed. Not often, but a couple hands, it definitely happened. Right. Yeah. So I think when Lamb checks in a limp pot, I, obviously betting 1.2 million is fine to just try to take the pot down. Um, but what do you think about Lamb check raising there to 2.6? Well, I remember the commentation, and, and uh, Antonio basically said, this is Lamb saying, I have an 8, because I could never see Lamb betting or raising a king here. Why would you? Right, yeah. Because there was no draw on the board. This was, I think, his words verbatim. Were they deep enough that that Lamb had – were they deep enough that we needed multiple raises on the flop to get all the chips in by the end? 
Yeah, I yeah, mean, right? it, I, what were the big blinds? I think it was 500 and, 500 and a million. Oh, five, 500 million? Okay. Yeah. And they so were all, Lamb was the shorter, which like, is over 30 bigs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you could you could get it in fairly easy pre-flop. But then I remember when when um, Stash go four bets here, right? Yeah. yeah. Then, yeah, so after after Lamb makes a 2.6, Stash so comes back bets. over the – I'm sorry, yes. Oh, no, sorry. Stash goes three bets. bets. Yeah. Yes. He makes a 5.2 million or something, correct? Yeah, it makes a 5.2. And 5. this is 2. where Antonio said, okay, now this is Stashko saying, I have an eight, but – and this is where Antonio said, he goes, if I was playing here, this is the worst line ever because why would you re-raise in position with an eight? Yeah. When the other guy has to act first on the next street. Right. So this is just a horrible line, and I think Ben Lamb will pick up on that. And then Ben Lamb snap four bet to eight million. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much the and, way the hand played out. Yeah. And do you, I mean I assume? I mean, yeah, everything. Lamb, everything. Lamb obviously, Lamb obviously picked up on exactly what Antonio was saying. I guess. I mean, it's true. Why would you ever bet an eight there? Why would you ever four bet an eight there? Right. Or why would you ever four bet a king there? You certainly wouldn't four bet a king. But why would you ever four bet an eight there in position when the other guy has to act first and is represented such represented such a strong hand? So the the line is just, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. You just I mean, never. Would either do of that. them both could have an eight. The if way the hand three flop just flats there. He wins the pot. He wins the pot because literally. Lamb would check the turn, and Stashko could go five bucks, and Lamb would have to pull. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So, so I guess it's just a, a matter of, in that case, obviously, I think Lamb's experience of seeing so many hands probably just paid off because he, just, you can obviously, like you said, you can just obviously assume that he never has a king or an eight. I mean, having but, said that, hey. wow, what a great idea to, to four bet an eight there. Yeah. <laughs> or three bet an eight there because yeah. Lamb, Lamb snap tooled out eight million and then you could flat that. Yeah, right. Then you're getting yeah. I mean, extra having three million. said that, but it still didn't really make sense because most people are going to be like, "There's never a better spot for me to trap here. I just call." Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting hand, especially probably for the average viewer who was like, "What the heck is going on in this hand?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think like, it's well yeah. played by Lamb and pretty pits by Stashko. Yeah. Definitely an odd line. Cool. All right, and then right. the next hand, um, this is another big hand with Heinz involved. Um, and this was, I think, the beginning of the end for Giannetti. Um, Giannetti has eights on the button. Uh, I think here we are at... Is oh, this, I remember this. Hand. Is this the last level? Is this 1.600, Did they get to that? Yeah, because if he raised it to yeah. 2.6, I'm guessing it was that. Yeah, because he didn't nearly 3x it. So, yeah, okay. So I'm pretty sure here that um, we're playing 600K, 1.2 million. Uh, I th- we're both – I think we're at least both 40, They were the 50. big stacks. They were the, the both time, big right? stacks, right? Like, like, like uh, Giannetti – I mean, Heinz had like – they were stacked 80K? one and two in the tournament. Right, and it was like, what, 80K and 60K, something like that, yeah. around that, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're at least 40 or 50 big blinds deep here. Um, so 
and we're forehanded. Um, and so Gianetti uh, has the button. He's got eights, and he raised the 2.6. Um, Hines, three bets to 7.1 from the small blind. So it's a pretty big um, pretty big three bet, but I, I, it's consistent with Hines sizing when he was out of position. Um, when he was in position, he would have probably made it like 6.6 here. But when he was uh, – sorry, when he's in position, he would have made it like 6.6. But out of position, he would – Almost always going over seven um, at these sizes. Is this small blind a big blind? No, no. but okay. uh, Gianetti's the button. Okay. Yeah, right. So I mean, first off, if I'm Gianetti, I, I I'm not putting Hines on anything because he's doing this with air and with value hands. So uh, agree or disagree? First of all. Well, I mean, uh, he's doing it with both hands, but I mean, his range does include aces. Right. Right. That, that's what so, I'm saying. I mean, I, I wouldn't totally d- exclude the fact that he could have a monster, but, yeah, uh, I definitely would think that he could have biscuits. Right. So, you're Gianetti. You're, I'm assuming, we don't want to play, you know, get all the chips in here and, re- and re-raise. So, I, I think calling is, is fine here. Is that what you would do with the eights here? Casey? I don't know. I mean, there's so much seven million. Uh, I would be, I might be inclined to four-bet call. Um, or I might be inclined to flat. So it's a really tough spot with eights. Like, I mean, that's the one hand that it's like dead in the middle. Like right. tens, I probably just four bet get it in. Right. You know, and under eights, I'm probably just going to flat and, and reevaluate. So it's like, it's one of those tough ones, but I could either four bet call or flat here. Right. And, and given that, you know, this is four handed at the main event and Giannetti is, kind of guy who likes to play a lot of flops i think it's probably consistent that he calls here with the eights which is what well, he does. yeah but also given the dynamic that the fact that heinz is clearly the most aggressive person at the table i think there's a fair amount of time he's going to fold to a four bet so four betting might be profitable here right, right. but i mean i also don't i mean there is the fact that if you four bet you got to call well yeah, you can't you four bet fold Right. You can't – okay, so if you're going to four-bet, you're four-betting what, 14 million, 15 million, 16, something like that? I'll probably make it 16-2 and let him know I'm not folding, and if he wants to stuff it down my throat, I call. Now, yeah. there had not been a single five-bet at the table. I think, right. right? Is, is that, am I wrong? But if anybody's capable of five-betting late, it's fine. Right. Although after yeah. this 15-minute dynamic, I think he would snap-fold the queen eight if he was four-bet here. Because yeah. every, every time I went to the rail, they're like, yeah, Gennetti had it. Gennetti had it. Gennetti had it. Right. Right. Okay, but we don't know what he has, you know, if we're in Gennetti's spot. So, yeah, I mean, I I just, I think, I I think Gennetti would prefer, I think it's pretty consistent what he did with what. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a problem with the yeah, flop. Yeah. All right, so he calls, and the flop comes king, king, seven, and there's 16 million in the middle. And, of course, like I said, there's they're pretty deep here, so I'm not sure exactly what number they have, but they're at least 40 or 50. Um so 16.2 million in the middle. Uh, Hines is first to act, and he bets 6.9 million. Um, now you're Gennetti with King King Seven on the board. What are you thinking here with that bet, and what's your what's your I mean, default move? The rationale is the same thing with flatting pre-flop. Either raise, get it in, or just flat. Right. I mean, you can't fold. Right. Right. So you prefer? Do you prefer one or the other, or it's either way? You can make arguments. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I think you can do either, but. If I'm trying to control the pot and I'm second in chips and with four people left or five people left in the World Series main event, I'm probably just calling. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what he did. Um, so now we're at – we go to a turn with a pot of $30 million. So um, this is – was this the biggest hand of the whole tournament? Aside, 
I mean, up to this point, did anyone? Up to this point, it probably um, had to. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, and so then the turn comes queen of diamonds. So now it's king, king, seven, queen, two diamonds on board, and Hind slows down. Um, so I think, I mean, I think... Actually wasn't the biggest hand of the tournament. About ten hands before this, Hines doubled up Stashko. Because after this hand, um, Norman Jag goes, he just did undid all the damage that he lost when he lost right. the play. Right, right, right. Okay. But anyways, go ahead. Okay, so it's a queen on the, on the turn, and Hines slows down, and with the eights, I'm assuming here, um, we want to check, and if we check, are we calling any river, or what do we, you know, first off, are, we, are you checking here? With the eights. At which guy? The eights? Giannetti, yeah. Heinz checks, and we're Giannetti sitting there with the eights now. I mean, if you're trying to control the pot, then yeah. definitely you're going to check behind, right? Right. right. Um, I'm planning we, on calling a, a non-threatening river card. Right. Okay. That's what I was. That's the question I was asking. So if we check here, what is our... I mean, unless you turn your hand to a bluff on the turn, you're not getting a lot of value from worse. With right. The way there. you played it, you don't, don't so, want to suddenly change your line. And, right. Uh, right. Okay. So you, you feel like you have showdown value the way you, you played the whole hand. Right. So now the river's a nine, um, and so we'll reveal what Heinz had here. It's a nine of hearts, so there's no flush draws. Um, there's just, I mean, there's some straight draws, a ten jack, um, an eight. What is there? Ten jack seems yeah. pretty unlikely. Unlikely, that right. Action. Yeah, and there's no flushes. So um, now, okay, so we'll reveal the hands. Heinz had queen eight, so he actually... Um, I think everyone who's listening probably knows that at this point, but he, you know, he 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 hits on the turn and he he slows down. He, he pot controls, or I'm not sure what. What do you think he's doing there with the the turn check? He's definitely pot controlling because he knows Janetti's been tight right. because of the 15 minute dynamic. So he thinks there's a possible f- fact that he flatted. It's possible he has a king. Right. Okay. So on the river, you agree with a check here from from Pines? We're not going to try to get some value from our queen. We don't. We're not sure if we. We're, Who we're was best in here. position? Janetti uh, uh, was. Position. I mean, I probably I probably throw out value slash blocker bet on the river if I'm behind. Like I probably throw out six million 12, or seven million. Twelve million or something. That's a big I, difference there. Six. I probably throw out twelve. There's thirty million in the pot, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd probably throw 12 million because I think a lot of times, I don't know what, although Janetti's shown the ability to flat anything pre-flop, so there may be a 7 in Janetti's hand because he flatted the flop bet. Right, I was just going to ask you, what hands do we get value from? I mean, is it, it seems like just a 7. What if he has 7-5 or 7-6 or 8-7 or whatever? Like, so I may, I may throw, um value slash blocker bet on the river, but I think check calling is also fine if that's what he's doing because it opens up his hand to a bluff catcher. Right. You know, Janetti has something like, I don't know, ace-jack, and he wants to try and bluff it here. Right. Yep, well, that's uh, he, did, he did check, and Janetti checked behind. Um, and, you know, of course, Hines had a queen, and he hit the queen in the turn, and that was really the, that really damaged Janetti and, and you know, started his downfall. Janetti took it like an absolute, absolute champ where, yeah. and Phil Helmuth lost it in the booth. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could feel Helmuth tilting. Yeah. Jeanette. Yeah. I'm like, just stop speaking, Phil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So, okay. Um, so there's just a couple hands from the tournament. Um, we will do this again. Um, with the, with, with, with the pros on, uh, after the three handed final, the final three play on Wednesday night. Um, 
So I think, uh, you know, anything to look for? How do we think that? Um, look for tickets thirty nine ninety five to the cage match between Cougars four 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 and Big Dog Bucks. <laughs> That'd be great during breaks. There, you know, it wouldn't last long. <laughs> no, because I only got like a minute and a half, and then I'm tired, and I gotta lay down and let you win. <laughs> Does anyone make any major adjustments now? I mean, between the three that are left, you know, from what they saw. Stashko might. I was just gonna. I, mean, I hate agreeing with Cougars. <laughs> I don't think he has a choice. I think he has to. Definitely has to make an uh, an adjustment, and he seems like an intelligent guy, and he probably will. What kind of adjustment is he going to make? He's got to get more aggro. Yeah, he like I mean he he was getting run over there for a little bit. Do you think? Do you think though he can watch Lamb and Hines eliminate each other? Well, I mean, he could do that, but what if it doesn't happen and then suddenly they both have fifty big blinds and he has six? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think these three guys yeah. make any type of a deal or save? No, I don't think. I think when I think when you're already guaranteed four million, what's yeah. the sense of making a deal? You're already we have four million. Right. I was just curious. I mean, we never. I mean, unless they admit it, you never Cage. find out. Cage. Well, I mean, Cage. I don't know. I don't know who's who's. I'm assuming Ben's not backed. We don't know about Heinz and Stasco, so we don't know if they. You know, Even if they are back, you still have two million, right? Are you trying to make a deal? Well, I mean, like Holden had thirty-nine percent of himself. Well, it seems like a pretty good deal, though. He had, he had thirty-nine percent, so if he made it this far, I mean, you know, he's he didn't make four million. He made, I mean, he still made a ton of money. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but the money, you know, it's a big difference for him. Right. But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, these guys, I'm not sure about Heinz, but Stasco, like you said, he's won a scoop. He's who knows if. He needs to be backed or not, but yeah. But then he folded him sway to oblivion on the bubble. So that's true. Really... Right, 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 right. But once you get to yeah. you know, four million, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I guess <laughs> never been in that situation. I, got... so I don't really know. Yeah, it would suck. Yeah, it would seem that the Heinz Lamb heads up battle is what people want to see. That would be yeah. awesome to watch. The only way I want to keep this fifteen-minute dynamic is if Cougars final tables next year, so he can come <laughs> over and I can tell him what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are you going to play next year, Casey, so you have a chance? Yeah. All right. That's what I like to hear. But I say that every year. That's true. <laughs> I haven't played it in like three years. That's not computer. This is the year, though. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> cool. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up because we're going to come back here in a couple of days oh, and do it all KB. again. You want to go spot? You want to go sleep? Go <laughs> <laughs> <Or> sleepy pie. <laughs> So thank you guys very much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you guys again in a couple of days. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Special thanks to Casey and Sean for stopping in to talk uh, some World Series hand-slash-strategy-slash-news with us. Always good to talk to those guys. You know what's great? Now, 
I, I mean, baseball season just ended, right? There was a World Series, and, you know, it's the downtime. Now, this is obviously the World Series of poker, and it's the biggest event. What's great is, though, the season doesn't really end, right? I Just for a second there, I, I had that moment of, like, <laughs> uh, what are we going to talk about now for the next couple months? Because I'm a baseball fan, right? <laughs> but right, I just right. realized, yeah, there's going to be another tournament in, like, two weeks or something, right? <laughs> so, yep. So, but we're not going to have, obviously, this level of exposure and, and this much um, airtime, uh as we did for this, this was, you know, we said it a bunch of times. Uh, I know Casey does not like the 15 minute delay, but this really was awesome. Um, and thanks to the guys for the, for the, um, for the insight. And, and I was really, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation around, you know, the dynamics of the table and how Heinz um, was exploiting and, and, and starting to take over the table. I think that's one of the things that you could watch and, and learn from. And there's a lot of it that's subtle because there's, you know, there's three bets and there's folds and there's not much in the way of showdowns. But um, that's really what I got from this particular broadcast is was watching how uh, how the dynamics unfolded over time. Really, really interesting. Yeah. And good, good yeah. And it was it, – it really was a, a demonstration in switching gears too because, you know, he at first he didn't really have the stack to do the, yeah. that kind of stuff with. Um, but, man, once he got the chips, he – Sure, switch gears. But he fast. never seen any big like Helmuth kept saying he's going to blow up, he's going to blow up, but he never blew up. I mean, he never did anything stupid. He never put everything at risk. You know, no. You know, he never he didn't five bet like right. I mean, you you know, the guy's an online player. He's he's like the prototypical online player. Like he's probably five and six betting. You know, on a normal day, right? Like a ton. Yeah. He didn't do that. He played. You know, he just played really really well. Uh, just really fun to watch. Good stuff. And and I really enjoyed the conversation there about the uh, O'Day's hand and. Um, it's just a tough spot for him because he's going to be doing that so much, and unfortunately, he got he got called. And, you know, as Casey said, probably wasn't a bad play the way he the line he, the way he played it is just those situations you know come up right? right, and they just they just suck when you're on the other end of it. Yeah, we've all been there where you get into that hand and you're just like, God, how did I get myself into yeah. this spot? But he, but you know, like how did he get himself into the spot? I mean, he three bet with a with a, with a high value hand, given the players. I mean, ace queen's a decent hand to three bet there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and especially given those players. And then, you know, he uh, he he betting right, and then he yeah. can only win the pot on the turn with with a steal. So you right. can't blame him for the way he played that hand. It's just unfortunate. No, I think I think he played it fine, but it's just it's so it's such a good demonstration of of what you deal with in tournament poker all the time, where you just you take these lines and sometimes you get in the spots that. You, you know, you, you wish you had done something differently, but it doesn't mean it was wrong. You know, you just you get yourself in spots, and they're tough to get out of sometimes. Yep. And it, it really did seem like he had a hard time sort of uh, getting back from oh, that. Oh, yeah, time. you could tell his body language. I mean, rightfully so. He was just completely dejected by it. Yeah. Can't blame him. Cool. All right, well, we got three more players to go. Well, two more to go, <laughs> one winner, and, uh, yeah. and we're going to come back and do that again um, and talk more hands with the guys on uh, whenever, either Wednesday or Thursday or whenever. I, it's Tuesday night, I guess, so sometime on Wednesday we'll we'll, we'll, we'll post a, another podcast reviewing the final three players. Yep. Um, yeah, should be up in a couple of days, so should be interesting. Yep, and so, uh, so check it out. Come back to the site. Um, download the next version of this podcast. Uh, another thing, if you're um, – we're we're running a promotion during the, well, not really a promotion, but during celebration of the final table, we're putting some free videos out there for those of you who may not be members of our site. Um, you can go to the homepage and you'll see a link for some free videos. Um, if you're if you want to download it, we have a little bit of a 
uh, celebration going. It's it, if you want to go directly to it, um, you can go to tournamentpokeredge.com slash free-wsop-videos, uh, and there are seven free videos that you can either stream or download, um, just so you can get a sense for uh, some of the uh, some of the, the content on the site. Um, yep. You know, I know when I'm watching this stuff, it makes me want to go watch videos after. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not immediately shutting it off, but it really gets my juice flowing for 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 poker and poker learning, especially this format where I think it's the most instructive format that's out there. Yeah, and it definitely makes you want to get better because watching good players play is always a motivator for sure. Absolutely. And speaking of main events, um, Mike Golisko Leah's uh, final table just. Uh, nine-parter just finished. Yep. Um, uh, what's awesome about that series is it's a nine-parter, and part nine got a 10 out of 10 in ratings, which does not always happen. A lot of times people slow down by the end, and they're just kind of saturated. But uh, that's one of the flagship, I think, series that we have. Um, so that just finished. And um, we just posted today, Big Dogs. Uh, Big Dog won the Sunday warm-up about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And uh, we just posted. He did a hand history review with Mark Eliotto, um, and that just went up today, and that's Honestly, I've never seen a video get such fast, good reviews as that one. I mean, I put it up last night, and it's already gotten seven comments and a bunch of ten plus ten out of tens. Um, yeah. So big yeah, Casey always does great work, but I think uh, this, uh, from the I, sounds of it, this is one of his best. I, I think so too, and I hate to have to give him the props because you got to hear it. <laughs> but he's a dog, so. so anyway, yeah. Um, so that's going on at the site. Um, you know, some stuff there. So uh, cool. So yeah, buddy, good stuff. Right on. Well, we'll uh, like I said, we'll be back here in a couple of days to do this all again. So uh, so stick with us. And uh, and you know, again, thanks to Casey and Sean. We'll see them on here in a couple of days as well. And thanks to all of you for listening. That is it for now. So uh, we'll see you next time on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. See you, everybody.
she can't read it now. Poker face. She's got to love nobody. Yeah.